Imagine that you're living near a congested highway and you don't have a car. You have a job interview today and you have to walk because there are no bus stops near you. The air tastes funny and your feet are terribly tired. Unfortunately, getting from point A to point B is going to be difficult. This is a reality for many people in big cities and while it doesn't seem like a big deal, it actually is. What else does this mean for you and other people who don't have access to reliable transportation or who live near highways in cities with a booming population? My name is Sherling, and in today's episode of Seems Hopeless, we're exploring the intersection of urban sprawl, transportation, and environmental justice in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. Based on an article from The Guardian, in the next 20 years, there will be over 2.5 million people moving into Metro Atlanta, on top of the existing 5.5 million that currently live there. So urban sprawl is definitely an issue there. But what exactly is urban sprawl, you might ask? It's when the urban area is constantly growing in terms of roads, housing, and commercial development, with little consideration of urban planning or in other words, rapid expansion with no planning. Too many people means too many cars and way too much air pollution. Let's listen in for a quick recap of the previous episode on sea level rise with Samuel. In the last episode, we saw the rising sea level will affect communities differently based on factors like location. But where we live doesn't just determine how sea level rise might affect us. It also determines the quality of our air. One of the first consequences of cars that you might have noticed in a city like Atlanta is mobile air pollution. With all the cars that are zooming through the six interstate highways, it's not too surprising that Atlanta ranks number two in air pollution from vehicles. Time spent in rush hour traffic jams is time that could have been spent caring for children, working extra hours at the job, and more. Thank you, Samuel. When we talk about cars though, the truth is that not everyone has enough money to buy one. They're pretty expensive. In that case, it's important for cities to practice transportation planning and transit equity so that everyone, regardless of race or class, can benefit from public transit. Reliable transportation is key, especially for low-income and minority communities because it helps them keep their jobs and support their families. That means we need more bus systems, and bus stops need to be placed at reasonable areas that people can access. Remember the scenario I mentioned at the beginning of the episode? Talking about bus systems reminds me of when I was about six years old. I lived in Columbia, South Carolina, and my family had one car, which meant we were pretty lucky. Since my dad worked every day from early morning to late at night, we didn't have access to a car most of the time. There was an Uber back then, and where we lived, there weren't taxis or bus stops either. My mom and I walked places together, sometimes a good few miles from our home. We even walked to the zoo once. It was okay to walk to places like that, but when my mom had to get to her job interview across the city, walking wasn't really much of an option. Had there been a better public transit system though, it would have been a game changer for us. For most people, the consequences of poor transportation planning are often overlooked, even though the impacts are prevalent, hitting low-income and minority communities the hardest. The health risks like asthma and diabetes that come with living near congested highways is detrimental, and for people who don't have health insurance, it's a burden that really hits close to home, which is precisely why public transit does the trick. 
Public transit gives people from all backgrounds the opportunity of basic mobility to get from point A to point B without a car that they might not have or want. In order to make public transit a reality for these low-income and minority communities, the decision makers shouldn't be solely city officials working alone. City officials should be engaging the people who are part of the impacted communities because they're the ones who bear the brunt. For example, according to a study done at the University of Nebraska, students said that reliable transportation was a major concern. When surveyed, they said that they used the city's bus system or walked to get around, and what they wanted to see the most was improved public transportation. Working with people from working youth to low-income individuals who have lived experiences from inaccessible transportation helps bring clarity to what city officials should work on to create more innovative solutions. When it comes to creating sustainable solutions for equitable transportation, Atlanta is making a lot of progress. One of its most prominent projects is the Atlanta Beltline, a revitalization effort that provides public parks and multi-use trails for walking, biking, and other transit from old railroads. So what used to be 22 miles of railroad corridors is now used to connect over 45 neighborhoods. The project is focusing on cleaning up about 1,100 acres of old industrial properties and making them available for use by the public. The Atlanta Beltline project is definitely impressive because of its mission to connect people and to make it easier for them to get where they need to go. And fingers crossed, it's set to finish out by the end of 2030. There's still a long way to go before we can reverse the consequences of old, outdated practices that didn't factor in the environment. But meaningful projects like the Atlanta Beltline serve as a reminder that we have the power to come up with ideas that champion equity, inclusivity, and sustainability in our cities and communities. Getting involved with these types of projects is the first step to advocating for environmental justice in your community. Also, working with local organizations and city officials to find out how to engage people in the process of creating transportation equity is effective because the more perspectives gained, the more progress that can be achieved. One that you might consider getting involved in is the Atlanta Regional Commission, which encourages community engagement in the decision-making process of creating policies that target disproportionate transportation burdens, air pollution, and more. In particular, their Transportation Equity Advisory Group allows equity advocates to be connected with transportation planners. You can be the voice for communities who need better resources or policies. I'm Shirling. Thanks for listening to Seems Hopeless. And as long as we continue taking action, then it seems hopeful. <laughs>